How deeply do you tend to think about the ideas and themes that are embedded in the entertainment that you and your family choose? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you've been listening to The Plugged In Show for a while, you might have noticed that we deal with a couple of different things. We definitely want to keep you up to speed on all of the most recent and most buzzy happenings in pop culture, whether that's a TV show or a movie or a video game or a song, the trends that are impacting your family. But we want to go deeper than that, too. And one of the words you might have heard us use from time to time is worldview. Today, we're going to spend some time unpacking what that word means, why it's important, and even though it feels kind of heady and kind of philosophical, how it's actually a lot easier to have worldview conversations with your kids than you might realize. In our second segment, Kristen Smith is here to tell us what we need to know about singer Sam Smith's new song, Unholy, which... It's not a very nice song, is it, Kristen? No, I feel like the title probably tells you what you need that's, to know. That's the hint, right? <laughs> and I also think it will offer us an opportunity to kind of practice some of the worldview skills that we're going to talk about in the first segment. Okay. But before we jump in, I would also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering, what is this show all about? Well, joining us for our weekly conversation today are Jonathan McKee, Kristen Smith, and Polly. Say hey, everyone. Hello. Howdy. Hey. hey. All right. Well, what is one movie in your past? Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was when you were 14. Maybe, you know, younger than that. That prompted you to think more deeply about something in an unexpected way or maybe from a new perspective. Who wants to go first this morning? All right, I guess I'm going first. Man, Paul just like basically told me what to do. <laughs> You're not my boss. Just kidding. Okay, let's see. The only thing I could think of when I when I read your question was, um, I, I've told this story before, so it feels kind of lame, but I watched The Ring in theaters when I was, I want to say 15, something like oh, that. Oh, man. And I don't You've watch... never looked at a well the same way again, have you? <laughs> I don't watch scary movies. Or a toaster. No. Mm. Um, but... Basically, I, I ended up leaving the theater at the end of it and ran into a, a girl that actually looked like the girl from the character the same day. So it was it was all very creepy, and I feel like it was the Holy Spirit. Like, you shouldn't have watched that. There you go. But the, the Was point, she moving with, like, jerky movements no, really but, fast? <laughs> it, it, it was scary. But it really... At that age, I just remember, like, I gave in to peer pressure. I had no idea what the movie was about. Oh. My mom was like, yeah, go see a movie with your friends. Didn't know what the movie was about. And The Ring. It's probably about <laughs> hobbits or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just one of those things that, like, after I left, I'm like, I'm not going to watch one of these again because I don't enjoy being scared. But I had friends that liked the feeling of being scared. And I did not enjoy that. <laughs> um, so that was, like, that's that was that. That's a great answer. What about you guys? <laughs> There's nothing to compare with that story. That was a really good story. Well, luckily, it's not a competition. That's later in That's our, later. our conversation. That's later. And will be obliterated by Jonathan. <laughs> so, you know, this is a tricky question for me. And I think um, I'm going to say Just Mercy. Okay. Oh, it's a great one. It's mm. a really mm. good movie. So I grew up in Colorado Springs. You know, it, it, I'm white. I live in a pretty suburban community. Racism was not a big issue for me growing mm. up. 
one of the things that this job has allowed me to do, I think, is to um, engage with issues that I might not have really been truly aware of. You know, growing mm. up, you you know that racism is an issue, right? right? You know that that's a problem within our society. But one of the things that but movies, it sounds like it was kind of an abstraction. It was maybe. an abstraction, and one of the things that that movies allow you to do is sort of put yourself into another person's shoes yeah. and, and walk a little bit for just that hour and a half, two hours into somebody else's story and to to feel, even as you're sitting there watching a screen, to feel to some extent what what other people feel. And so Just Mercy was, was one of those movies that did that for me. Okay. It's a good one. Jonathan, what about you? You know, I, I can't help but think of Hotel Rwanda. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, obviously that film Tough had a, movie. You know, just a huge impact just watching it. But I think the thing that was almost a little bit ironic was the fact that as I was watching, I remember thinking, wow, oh, my gosh, looking at this tragedy and, and uh, that's horrible. And, and then but then what? And then in the middle of the film, there's this scene where they talk about that and where one of the characters says, boy, I'm glad we shot this footage and that the world's going to see it. And, and then people will have a chance to intervene. And then one guy asks, well, what if no one intervenes? You know, mm. is it still a good thing to show? Mm. And he says, well, how could they not intervene when they witness such atrocities? And he responds with this. I'll never forget this. He says, I think when people see this footage, they'll say, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. And then they'll go on eating their dinners. Wow. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, that's so true. We watch this and we look at this and then we're like, well, got to go eat. <laughs> and uh, that it had a huge impact on me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great example. I mean, I think of, of just a particular scene and how well-written dialogue can can just grab us, right? Um, for me, it was a movie with a ton of of issues. I saw American Beauty in 1999 and American Beauty was like one of that year was crazy for just these really, really gritty. In some ways it sort of, I think was a precursor to the kind of darkness we saw in the Academy Awards that really started around the turn of the century. Um, but I digress into a history of the Academy Awards at this point. Um, it's a movie that stars Kevin Spacey, and he is a middle-aged guy with a high school-aged daughter. And his daughter has a really pretty friend. And it's sort of a midlife crisis movie where he fantasizes about having an affair with his high school-aged daughter's best friend. Oh, my god! And then begins to sort of move toward that in reality. So it's kind of him grooming and beginning to seduce her and getting right up to the point where that's about to happen and he has a conscience attack. Um, And then there's a horrible ending. Uh, It's really, the ending is just like, wow, I can't even believe that. And like 15 seconds of redemption in a voiceover (laughs) at the end. And I came out of the movie and I was... 29 when I saw it. So, you know, I was a young adult and, and it just messed with me. And my overriding feeling was that was a really brilliant picture of depravity, but do I need to subject myself to a brilliant depiction of depravity to know that it's depraved? And it was a movie that at the end I thought, you know, I wish I hadn't seen that movie. Mm. Uh, and it's caused me to think about discernment in my own life in yeah. terms of 
okay, everybody's talking about this. Everybody's, you know, engaged with this conversation. Do I need to see it or not? And and I think it gave me the freedom to say, no, I I may not need to see that. Um, And so, you know, that's a a question. And uh, our stories, I think, really speak to this idea of worldview. And we're going to dive into that now and talking about uh, how it's related to entertainment. What is a worldview? If I were a worldview, what would I be? What do you guys think? That's like a Jeopardy question. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think I try to think of how do I talk to my four-year-old about it? Okay. Um, That's a great example. I love that. (laughs) Well, I Mm. think to me, I would probably describe it as like we and my family like frame what we believe by the Bible, right? Right. And so for us, it's scripture and then what's right and what's wrong. Okay. And we can talk about those two things because I think if you get too, well, you can't get too philosophical with a four-year-old. Um, <laughs> They're pretty concrete. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of Mommy, where... Mommy, I just want to watch Sesame Street. <laughs> yes. But those are sort of like the boundaries. Like, what do we believe is right? What do we believe is wrong? Where does everything else fit in those parameters? I love that. I think that's a very, a very concrete sort of jumping off point into this conversation. Paul, Jonathan, how would you respond to that and just talk about this idea of what a worldview is? I really like what Kristen said. You know, one of the things that I think about as we have this conversation is that the worldview can be the lenses through which we look at the world, Okay, right? And, and the lenses that we look at the world through yeah, are made of a lot of different influences. There, there are past, there are experiences, there are how we were raised, but there are also the ideas that come into play as we deal with the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that those sort of shape how we view uh, the culture around us. Okay. That's good. Jonathan? Yeah. I, I think just the awareness, and I'm, I'm glad you used that word lens. Mm-hmm. I like that, Paul. Um, you know, when we look through our own frame, through our own lens, in which we have this outlook wherever we look, I think even just an awareness that we have a lens is a huge step for a lot of people. And I think uh, in our families, we can actually talk about that as our kids get old enough to kind of process it, that we bring our own baggage and our own perspective into everything we see because when we see something else going on, we're like, well, and again, it's, think of it, according to my lens, from my viewpoint over here, Mm. it looks like this. And being able to talk about how sometimes that perspective could look different from a different viewpoint Uh, and that we bring in our own culture, our our own belief system, our own ethics our own everything and the whole thing that adam mentioned earlier you know was kind of this whole compassion and empathy thing it was just mentioned you know quickly in this podcast but but stepping into someone else's shoes Mm. is kind of in a way removing a lens and trying to fit someone else's lens in front of us okay and being able to look at that yeah yeah the other thing that we have to think about as we dive into this conversation is that movies have their own lenses right yes Exactly. Yeah. You know, literally, they're they're showing what they believe the world looks like, and they yeah. and most of them, I would venture to say, have something that they want you, the viewer, to take away. It can be good, it can be bad, mm-hmm. but they all come from their own particular point of view, yeah. and they want you to see the world from that point of view. Yeah. Right. Now that's exactly right, and I think as we've talked about worldview so far, you know, our worldview is like a set of glasses through which we see the world, yeah. and. 
and it's influenced by so many different things. And by the same token, every creator of art has a worldview and, and maybe they're very conscious of that worldview. Maybe they are very deliberately trying to deliver a specific message with their art. I think sometimes they may just be wanting to tell a story, mm. but worldview gets at some really core questions. And this gets back to what Kristen was talking about. What's right, what's good, what's acceptable. And then what is, what's not good. Mm. What is to be shunned? And most movies, most TV shows, I would dare say, actually, maybe all of them have a worldview. They want us to interact with, at some level, um, an idea. And and even if the idea is as simple as it's good to have a laugh and we want to make you laugh, mm. that's a worldview. You know, th- those are worldview questions, even in places where we might be tempted to say, ah, it's just entertainment. There's nothing really important going on here. Yeah, and and when you look at the movies around us, even the really light ones, we mentioned Thor, Love, and Thunder, right? Right. That comes with its own sort of worldview. (laughs) On a whole bunch of levels. It's bringing a lot to the party. You know, one of the best examples that I can think of of a very overt worldview being brought to the table is The Big Short. It was nominated for Mm -hmm. an Academy Award, a lot Mm -hmm. of Academy Awards, actually, and it talks a little bit about the housing bubble. It wanted you to take away some specific thoughts about how that was caused and how we can prevent it. And as a result, sometimes these movies with very explicit worldviews can feel kind of preachy. They can feel kind of preachy. That's exactly right. Well, I want to circle back to the whole Thor Love and Thunder thing and just make an observation on worldview. You know, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe kicked off with Iron Man in 2009, um, it was a dude in a suit, right? fighting another bad guy and as the marvel cinematic universe has evolved yeah they have had to make the stakes bigger and bigger and bigger because you want to keep people engaged and at least in america our typical way of doing that is we're going to do the same thing we did last time only we're going to do it bigger (laughs) and you had thanos killing half the creatures in the universe at the end of endgame i'm like well where do you go from there you almost have to go in a cosmic direction. And so we've seen that with Eternals. We've seen that with Thor, Love and Thunder. And and I'm digressing a little bit, but we might be tempted to look at superhero movies as just, ah, it's just explosions right. and guys and, you know, spandex and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot more going on there. And as Jonathan was saying, I think one of the very first steps we take is just acknowledging that there are these messages here that we need to be paying attention to as we're watching them because they can influence us. And I want to segue into, uh, we'll call it a side road on this conversation, which is how exactly um, worldview works on us. And so I think one of the things that happens is that entertainment tries to shape our belief or convictions on a certain issue by generating a strong emotional response in us. And and it may be so strong that we can accept a movie's position on something without even realizing that we have been pushed in that direction. I'm curious if you guys can think of any movies or TV shows that really make a strong emotional argument for a given issue and how they did that in the context of telling the story. And Paul, you've already sort of hinted at that with with one of your examples. But what are some other examples? Man, I have two, but one, I don't know if one lines up exactly the way you're asking. Okay, so one well, I was let's thinking. let's see. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, one I think that will probably answer it more directly is um, I remember watching Easy A. Oh, yeah. Um. It's funny. It's really funny. And it's so disturbing. 
Well, it's it's super pro sex. Yeah. And at at a very young age, um, and it's also really like, is anti tradition the right word? Yeah. Like we're not, we're not going to follow what has been set before, mm-hmm. right. and even parents that affirm her beliefs and worldviews and that just kind of let it like hang open and they have conversations that are really flippant yeah um and kind of jokey and um that was the one that i was thinking of but another one and i don't know if this is like a no, strong i think enough. i think easy is a great example because here you have a movie it's a, a modern retelling of the scarlet letter yes that's the a yeah. uh here should have said that <laughs> and um and it's a movie that has an agenda, mm-hmm. right? Yes. What, what's your second example? Well, they also view Christianity very specifically I, in that yes. film as well. And yep. it's laughed at. Um, the other one I was thinking of, and again, I don't know if this is a strong enough example, but growing up, I, my mom didn't love that I wanted to watch Lizzie McGuire. Okay. Okay. And I mm. loved Hilary Duff. Like, anyway, yeah. I just, <laughs> I loved Lizzie McGuire. But it, I remember her saying... <laughs> Probably not in the best parental way. Your attitude's already enough to handle. I don't want you watching someone else <laughs> that has an attitude toward their parents. And then, of course, that made me have an attitude, right? Uh, Self-fulfilling <laughs> so prophecy. Cyclical, yeah. Um, but I think about it now through being a parent and this lens of Disney Channel has done this thing where they make parents look really dumb. Yeah. And they have kind of created this culture where kids are really smart and wise and they make good decisions. And even if they don't, their parents' decisions might not help frame what they do appropriately. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting because even in shows now, like I think before. And you could say that it's pretty innocuous. Like most mm-hmm. of those shows. It's all and, joking. And there are, there are exceptions. Most of them we're not dealing with sex issues or no. profanity or violence, but there still is a worldview with regard to family and parenting and especially dads. Mm-hmm. As, yes, mm-hmm. especially dads. I think that says a lot though about a worldview when you are raised on my parents don't know enough and they're not intelligent enough to help me figure this out and I know more than them and mm. that that places behavior and that places attitude. Um, so that was my other example. Okay. That's a really good one. And I'm going to dovetail on this, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to do it a little circularly, if I can. That was the right word. So last, <laughs> last, night, say, though. last night, I actually reviewed a movie called Bros, which is essentially this ah, yes. gay rom-com, right? And they said something in the midst of it. One of the, uh, a friend of one of the main characters uh, is talking about how kids today, half the kids in their elementary school class, their kids' elementary school class, are define themselves as non-binary. Mm. And the main character uh, said something to the effect of, well, that makes sense. We had AIDS. They had glee. Wow. And when you think about that. That's huge. It, the the impact that, that some of those shows, you know, Glee is a really strong example of how cultural attitudes can sort of be changed mm-hmm. as, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And, and especially in, in particular issues that, that are being pushed within our culture today. Yeah, I think agreed. that's a great example. Jonathan, anything come to mind for you? You know, mine is way back in history, and it's probably similar to your uh, example of American Beauty. Uh, it's in high school. Uh, me and my friends literally snuck and watched a film, and I'm not even going to name it, but uh, as a matter of fact, I'll even just paraphrase the quote. But we went and snuck and watched a film that we knew we shouldn't have watched. And the theme of the film was sometimes in life you just have to say what the heck. 
Yeah. And it was all about going out and doing all this fun stuff. And I mean, it was, I mean, you know, everything you can imagine at the end of the film, everybody gets away with it. Mm -hmm. And literally me and my friends would say to each other for years to follow, sometimes in life, you just got to say what, and, and, and I remember the, you know, and it's funny because, you know, we could be, that could be a conversation on how films affect us or whatever, but it was almost kind of like this eye opening. There's this world out there that, you know, and it wasn't just like a take a risk, you know, and do something great impact. So it was kind of more like take a risk and do something bad. It really feels good. Live for the moment. And honestly, consequences aren't really that bad. They're worth it, you know, and it was, and it was kind of a brainwashing thing. And um, I saw it affect one of my friends very negatively. And um, literally, probably some of the choices made in this person's life were, I think, heavily influenced by kind of that whole philosophy that I think came from that film. And and I'm not, I don't want to cast fear like, you know, your kid could watch that one. I'm not trying to do that at all. But it's like, sometimes we think no big deal. Right. And it's just um, a movie. Honestly, you know, there's some things you, you can't unsee. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and so I think our task as parents is to to cultivate an environment. And and this is probably more true as our kids get older. Uh, But even with our younger kids, even like with what Kristen's doing, we can begin to ask questions. And what that models is we're not just passively consuming entertainment, Mm. but we're actively trying to think about the ideas and the messages coming at us. And so... You know, when our kids are younger, we can ask, well, what's what's right or wrong here? Or what do you think would happen if you tried that in real life? You know, because I think that gets at what you're saying, Jonathan. If you actually went out and did some of these things, the outcome might not be a laugh and a fun movie and a great soundtrack. It mm. might be a lot more significant. And then I think as our kids get older, we can begin to ask more sophisticated questions. Yeah. Who, who do you identify with here? Um, how does this film or TV show impact you emotionally? You know, because I think when our emotions are strongly engaged, we're tempted to receive ideas that we might otherwise reject. And, and my example of that actually is million dollar baby, which is, you know, Clint Eastwood, um, Mm -hmm. coaching this prize fighter and, uh, played by Hillary Swank. And she ends Mm -hmm. up as a quadriplegic and doesn't want to live and the argument spoiler of the, alert spoiler alert oh yeah sorry <laughs> it's a, it's a boxing movie with a bad twist um yeah. but he ends up taking her life via euthanasia and the whole argument of the movie is mm. that was the good and right choice but it it sets you up to buy that argument because mm-hmm. of the emotions and the emotional situation of this is so terrible. It doesn't ask the question, can a life have dignity even though it has been, you know, affected so terribly? Uh, it, it really says, no, this is a terrible life and it's not worth living. That's a worldview issue. Yeah, I think when you were mentioning that, the thing that came to mind was teenagers, not just teenagers, I mean, adults too, but specifically teenagers live off of emotion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like emotion 
controls. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember being so emotional and wanting to sit in my room and listen to my emo albums and yeah, hate and, my room and, and be honestly, alone with my thoughts. We haven't even talked about music, but we're going. Yeah. This is a good segue into our second segment yes. in a minute. But well, uh, but music is hugely influential huge. in all of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, the point sure. is that right. Like if emotions control what you do, and they so can for adults. This is not just for teenagers. If you allow emotions to control your worldview it will constantly change and shift based on what you see. So I think this is so important why we, we come back to scripture and we parallel everything off of that. Because if not, it's always going to change based on how we feel in the moment about something. It doesn't mean that the feelings aren't legitimate from somebody, right? Right. But that we need to have a very solid grounding so that we can point our kids back to that as we have conversations. I love that. And so let's just jump into um, our second segment here, yeah. because I think it's a natural segue yeah, from yeah. talking about worldview mm-hmm. to talking about Sam Smith and his new song, Unholy. So to paraphrase my Shakespeare teacher in college, Kristen, oh. what is going on here? What What's happening in the song, <laughs> Unholy? And and let's unpack it with, with some of these worldview questions and ideas in mind, as if we were even maybe coaching a parent who has a teen who maybe is interested in this song. So tell us about it. Okay, so the whole song is basically, you have Sam Smith and Kim Petras basically um, glorifying or kind of like winking at this guy who is married who goes to visit a prostitute often. Wow. Um, And it gets pretty graphic without saying a ton. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) it's interesting too because I was really listening through this and I'm not the person usually that's like this these music nowadays like that these kids listen to because if you go back and listen to i mean rock old, old woman oh my sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes if you go back and listen in, to like rock or anything like acdc that kind of stuff i mean all you gotta yeah. do is read the lyrics yeah. right like this isn't there's nothing new under the sun um but it does this song feels a little brazen i think that might be the right word like it's very in your face and it kind of feels a little insidious Um, because what's happening is they're winking at this behavior and I'll read some lyrics in a second. And the only thing I could think of the whole time was most of Sam Smith's career has been built on sadness on him being cheated on or someone being unfaithful. And now we're celebrating a, a, a person who goes out and does this and winking about it because sex is fun and who cares what. Like, who cares what framework that's in or how we're discussing it? So some of these lyrics, and I'm, I, don't, I don't really want to read them, but. Um, <laughs> Maybe the ones that don't have really bad words. Well, yeah, but yeah, no, there's only like one profanity, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not the words, it's the theme. Yeah. <laughs> it just is um, like he opens and it's like this choir and it says, mommy don't know daddy's getting hot at the body shop doing something unholy. And then goes into being really graphic about how says she'd kick you out if she ever knew about all the stuff you tell me that you do and you don't know how to keep your business clean mm. and then it goes into this kind of story about how he gets what he wants sexually whenever he wants it and usually there's some sort of exchange between like bringing drugs or buying really nice things for this woman that he goes to see and he's perfectly fine with leaving his kids at home so he can get what he wants and they say that in the song all right. Um, so is yeah. it, do you feel like there's any critique of that behavior here or is it no. just 
No, and and I you listen know, to. Are we just? It's all in good fun. <laughs> well, I listened to an interview, and basically hmm. they're like, "Well, who did you show all this to? Like when you first wrote it?" And he was like, "Everyone was really shocked." Um, I showed my parents, and they were perfectly fine with it. They've so accepted that this is kind of like who I am, that this is the kind of stuff that I do or that I write. And I'm like. Okay. Um, and that most of the So it feedback... wasn't like inspired by a father that was cheating and it's not no. autobiographical or any deeper sort of thing like that. No, it was mostly just I wrote this new song. And in a, another interview that he had, he basically was talking about how a lot of his previous work or most of it was sad. He's done being sad. He doesn't want to be sad anymore. So this is one of his new happy songs? Yeah. So we're going to be... <laughs> well, I think I think the point is we're going to be liberated. And we're okay. going to sing about what we want. And we're going to sing about what gratifies us in the moment. And I'm not going to be sad about past relationships. So this is like a very shocking way to introduce that. Wow. Well, and I think it's a great example because this is just out there, right? And I think it's a reminder, especially with regard to music, mm-hmm. how important it is to be engaged with the choices that our kids are making. And and I know as it, as we get older, we probably aren't going to be, you know, sneaking onto their iPhones and checking out their playlists. But I think having that ongoing conversation, hey, what are you listening to? What What's grabbing your attention? Mm-hmm. What do you think the ideas there, you know, are being mentioned? It seems like this is one where there would be a ton of space to have a conversation of yeah. what do you think the message here is? And and how does that compare with what we believe? You know, what do we do with that? Um, so any more thoughts on that, Kristen? This is it's kind of a difficult conversation because I think music kind of sometimes gets into this realm where it's like it's just a song, right? right? Um, but I really specifically, and I, I've used this example before, I think, but I really specifically struggled in college with what I listened to before I was like really walking with the Lord. And I won't name artists, but I'll basically say that what I listened to greatly affected what I did and the choices that I made and the attitudes that I wanted to have in certain like situations. Like I, there were songs that I listened to to prepare for certain situations, mm. to be in a certain mindset mm-hmm. to get there. Mm. Um, and I think that's really important to remember because it's not like you're saying it's not just a song. But it, to Jonathan's point, you don't want to instill fear. Like if they hear this one song, this is going to change X, Y, and Z. It's mostly just coming back around to having that conversation. So... All right. Well, I hope this conversation has helped you be aware of this song from Sam Smith, but on a, on a bigger level, just what does it look like to look at a specific thing in popular culture and say, okay, how do we need to think about this? What are the questions that we need to ask? And what does it look like for us to be engaged in that ongoing conversation with our kids? And I think even though I've used that word a bunch of times, I think I think that's the goal here. And and I'm talking about our teenage kids as they move, you know, 15, 16, 17. Um, we want to have an open line of relationship and communication. And sometimes they may roll their eyes, you know, and sometimes it may seem like they are not interested in what we have to say, but we're showing them that it's important to be actively engaged in thinking about the ideas and the beliefs and the worldviews of our entertainment, because Mm -hmm. as Kristen has just talked about, it really can affect us. So thanks guys. This has been a great conversation. Well, now it's time for part of our show. We call the pop culture connection. 
Ashley, what is the pop culture connection? Oh Tell my us goodness. about it. It's so much fun. <laughs> Ashley's where... our producer, by the <laughs> way. Yes. So I pull this fantastic question out of a box, and I challenge each of you to give an answer and defend that in 30 seconds or less. It's right. so 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. With as many answers as, as we can give. As many answers as you can That's give. Right. Okay. All right. Who's our first victim today? Paul. Oh, yes. goodness. Yes. I like Absolutely. It when, I like it when Paul's the first Absolutely. victim. That's so much fun. <laughs> All right, Paul. <laughs> I thought you were going to pick me because I set you up so nicely, but but Paul's, that's great. Oh, my goodness. All right. Good luck. I'm ready. All right. Not good really. luck. Caffeinated. This is one we've heard before, but it's a good one. You have not given an answer on this one yet. You're hosting the Oscars. Who is your co-host and why? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Oh, goodness. Who am I going to say? Christian I'm gonna Bale. Say, I'm going to say Kate Blanchett. Oh, oh good. okay. Good choice. She's good choice. actually surprisingly funny. When I've seen her in certain situations, she can slip into different characters. She can do different voices. I would be a really super, super boring host, so we need to make it as exciting as possible. She comes with a lot of gravitas. She's been up there on the stage before. She's accepted Oscars. It seems like she would have a nice feel for the people who are in the audience. She seems like a nice person. I'm not going to say that she was an elf, because that doesn't have anything to do with the Oscars. Isn't this longer than 30 seconds? This guy. It's the longest 30 seconds I've ever heard. It is. I think Paul wins. (laughs) Okay, well... That That's happened. okay. It was Paul's going to need we'll all just... of this because Jonathan will destroy him. So let <laughs> him have all the points. No, what to... no, that was a, a timer error. Timer error. But you That's know, right. That's okay. just like in football, sometimes there are bad sometimes calls. Sometimes you yeah. get a Absolutely. fifth down. That was really good. That's, if Paul goes to win, right. we'll just say it's because of that. So it's fine. I, it was a lot of, it was a lot of points, about though. six. Six? So, That's yeah. it? Oh, I think he was more than that, but you are the <laughs> That's judge. That's like one every 10 seconds. <laughs> Should have talked about Kate Blanchett mowing the lawn. Oh, yes. In my mind, I gave you at least eight. But Thank you. I We're going to go with that. six. We'll go with six. She, he's not the judge. Number. Number. All right. All I'm going to lose. All right. Less than that. It's fine. Jonathan, you're up next. There we go. Oh, man. Prepare you're not, not going to win on a blown call, Paul. <laughs> 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 All right. Jonathan, your question is, would you rather see a movie at home or in the theater and why? Oh, Oh, I absolutely want to see it at home because my sound is better than the theater. My seats are comfortabler than the theater. I can leave my underwear at home. I can grab the food out of the fridge from at home. It's much cheaper at home. Uh, The air conditioning I actually control. I can stop and pee two times and actually hit the pause button. I can... uh, uh, my carpet is wonderful and absorbs all the sound perfectly. I love going outside and dipping in my pool in the middle of the film. I also oh, like what? to be able to go. Yeah. <laughs> What's the timer at? Did you I, I do it again? Enough. I, think enough. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, did we go a minute again? <laughs> no. Jonathan, you destroyed. Oh, Way to go. Goodness. See, every time. Oh my goodness! The yeah. carpet absorbs the sound. Just I want to live in California so I can go take dip a dip in the, in the pool, pool. Right, yeah. right in between, like not wow. too cold. Yeah, right. Oh my! Goodness. All right, yeah. I got over ten for Jonathan. So. More Way than to go. ten. More than ten. Wow! That is All a right. movie guy right there. Just wow. Kristen, we'll have you next. Oh, okay. uh, what was my number? I didn't even hear. Over ten. Over, over ten. 10. You More won. Than 10. Yeah. <laughs> Seventeen million. Well, this is a good one for you. What do you consider to be the best kids movie ever and why? That's so difficult. I don't know. Okay, I'll just, I, this is, I'm just going to answer 
I'm going to answer a different question. My favorite <laughs> kid's movie was Pocahontas because I could sing like her. We had a we had a ton of land growing up in a big pond, so I would go out into the woods and pretend that I was her. Um, she's, like, really adventurous, fearless. Um, <laughs> this is so stressful. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She jumps off a waterfall. That was so cool. That was good. Okay, those are okay. the only things I can think of. Sorry, I, I, love I asked my own I love question. She says, I'm going to answer a different question. <laughs> I'm going to say whether I would go to a movie in the theater or at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you're tied with Paul, so good job. Hey. All right, Adam. And in only 30 seconds. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Unlike yeah. my minute and a half. I'm ready. That's true. You All did right. have a really long time. You did. All right, you Adam. I think I would have done better. I hope there's a Lamborghini involved with this question. Who do you consider to be the best recording artist ever and why? Oh, oh we already know. Oh, no. Recording we artist. know. Well, we're going to have to go with Bon Jovi. Yes. Clearly. Yes. I knew he was I mean, gonna Living say. on a Prayer, you know. Right. Uh, you give love a bad name. I'm just going to name songs. This is the <laughs> way to win. Uh, because the experience of going to a Bon Jovi concert in 1987, it was a sublime thing. And if you haven't ever sung Living on a Prayer, <laughs> With 18,000 of your closest <laughs> 80s homies. Well, you haven't lived. I'm sorry, Paul, you haven't lived. Paul actually doesn't like Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, uh, so overrated. Oh, man. I know so I didn't win. But I feel like so I can answer the question for you. Like, I, I've yeah, never heard yeah. so We much. all I thought like, like, it's going to be Bon Jovi. Do I go Bon Jovi? Do I go Beach Boys? Or do no. I go Neil Diamond? Because so bon Jovi. Those How were... many times have you seen Bon Jovi in concert? Ten. Wow. Ten. Wow. That's a lot. Halfway there. Well, Adam... You're going down in a blaze of glory. Uh-huh. Only Shot four down. points. Shot down in a blaze of glory. Jonathan's our winner today. Oh, Good well, job, Jonathan. You can Jonathan. go take a dip <laughs> in the pool now, Sorry, Jonathan. Go take a dip in your pool, California guy. <laughs> Roll around in the throw rug. All right. Uh, wow, it just got a little weird right there. And on that note, I am going to bring this episode of the Plugged In show in for, I think, a much-needed landing. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. We love it when you tell your friends, hey, there's this great podcast I'm listening to and you should listen to. And you can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. We would also love to hear from you. So how have you tried to help your family go deeper with conversations about your entertainment choices? What has sparked good dialogue? Where have you gotten pushback? What's been hard? So let us know and you can contact us via our Facebook or Instagram or send us an email at team at the pluggedinshow.com. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week on the Plugged In Show. We will be back next week for another hopefully informative and laughter filled conversation about pop culture, technology and entertainment. Please come join us again for the Plugged In Show. In Adventures in Odyssey's 73rd album, 28 Hours, Odyssey's favorite son is missing. Jason? Jason! And lives are at stake. If we move him, he dies. And if you stay here, you all die! Above all else, everyone wants to know... What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It's a jam-packed 28 Hours and album 73 of Adventures in Odyssey. Available now on the club and download. Coming soon to CD. Learn more at adventuresinodyssey.com.